Hey guys, it's Corey from Redefining Strength. Welcome to the Fitness Hacks Podcast. This is the show where I share all my free workout and nutrition tips. I'm not going to ever fill this episode with sponsorships or ask you to buy anything. All I ask in return is if you're enjoying the podcast to leave a review or leave a five-star rating. Or even better, share it with somebody you think it might help. This will only take a few minutes and would mean the world to me and possibly change the life of someone you know. So let's jump right in. Those micros for menopause. So menopause can bring with it a lot of different symptoms. And we talk about the fundamentals of macros and even working out. But we want to dive a little deeper into the nuance of things because a lot of times how we adjust even the types of foods we include, the supplements we include, we can really impact the symptoms of menopause and even control them. No, we might not be able to alleviate all of them, but I'm super excited to dive in with Michelle as to what we can control to see better results, to function better, to feel more uh, energized during this phase of life. So Michelle, super excited to have you. Let's talk about the first micronutrient you really want people to pay attention to when they are in menopause. So the first one that I'm going to suggest is actually vitamin K. I think everyone knows, at at least I hope everyone knows at this point, how important calcium and vitamin D is for bone health. And when we enter menopause because of our decline in estrogen, we actually have an increased risk of osteoporosis. So your bones, super important. It's your structure, your foundation. The healthier we can keep that, the better quality of life and the more independent you can be as you age. Vitamin K is one that kind of gets forgotten about, but it's really important like for those three. You want that vitamin D, you want that calcium, you want that vitamin K because that's really going to help you actually be able to lay down that bone mineral. And another benefit is one of the areas that we also struggle with when we enter menopause is actually our heart health. Um, Estrogen, again, is very, very cardiac protective. So when we are entering menopause, we actually have an increase of heart disease. Vitamin K also helps in that area too. So you're really hitting two birds with one stone. And it's just just something that a lot of people don't talk about because vitamin D and calcium get so much attention. And even omega-3s get a lot of attention for the cardiovascular help, which I know you bring up a lot. And so it's interesting to hear about another nutrient that we really need that also helps with the usage of those things. And I think that's something we often forget or ignore is like even going back to like the basics of eating more vegetables. There are certain things that if we eat vegetables cooked in fats, that's going to allow for better digestion, absorption of those micronutrients in there. So there's a lot of nuance to things. And sometimes it's not just like this is a healthy food or we need this vitamin. There's a lot of things that have to work together. So paying attention to what we're doing and then the results we're getting to say, hey, Maybe things aren't paying off quite the way I'd like, and I'm getting a lot of calcium and vitamin D, so what else could I do to improve my bone health, which is where this vitamin K is so important. In terms of how people can include more of this in their diet naturally, what sources are really great to get vitamin K? So dark leafy greens are going to be a great option. Something that I really would suggest is the vitamin K2 in particular is really where we get the most benefits. And that's usually going to be found in fermented foods. So things like sauerkraut, kefir, natto, if you haven't experienced natto, it's kind of like a fermented soybean. But those are really going to help you increase your amount. And oftentimes we aren't getting nearly as much in our westernized diets. And then a very important thing to kind of consider too is, and I'll discuss this 
a few more times as we kind of go through each of these micronutrients. But oftentimes things are going to overlap. So one of the benefits too of kind of focusing on those fermented foods is oftentimes we have some gut health issues as we enter menopause because hormone changes can actually slow down our digestion. And we want to make sure we're feeding that good, healthy gut microbe uh, biome and fermented foods are also going to help with that. So again, it's kind of this thing that you're you're going to be able to hit multiple areas that menopause kind of has an effect on if you are focusing on that vitamin K. And it's recognizing too that when we're addressing these things, we're looking for our nutritional gaps. So areas where we might be able to improve because we aren't getting as much of a vitamin or mineral, or maybe we even need more of it than the recommended daily allowance, because there are going to be unique needs that we have, and they will change with phases of life. So even if you're like, well, I'm eating a ton of, you know, leafy greens, I, I think I'm getting enough, pay attention to the other foods that you might be missing, because there's also, as you mentioned, other benefits of including things like fermented foods that will overlap and help you even get more bang for your buck where you're not having to include 70 bazillion different things, right? You can do one thing that addresses multiple different issues. Exactly. Yeah. It's really, uh, I think sometimes we get so caught up on all these lists, like this nutrient has this, but oftentimes there's so many that are overlapping that it really, if you're looking to include like three to five foods, you can pretty much overlap several areas. So moving on to the next micronutrient you recommend, B vitamins. Talk to me a little bit about why they're so important and also which ones we need. Because even going back to vitamin K, you mentioned vitamin K2 specifically. I think a lot of times we don't recognize that there are different forms and that there are different forms found in different foods. So that's why not only a diversity of foods is key, but potentially we're getting a lot of a vitamin, but not a lot of the form we need. So B vitamins, why are they so important? Which ones should we focus on? So B vitamins, despite whether you're in menopause or not, by the time we are 40, our body actually will decline in its ability to absorb B vitamins as a whole. So everyone can kind of benefit from either focusing on more food-rich sources or even supplementing with a B complex. So there's lots of B vitamins. They're all water-soluble, which is also something I, I, I want to make sure everyone's aware of because it, because of this, it makes it a little bit harder to actually have too much because your body is going to flush it out. You're going to pee it off, pee it out if you have excess because it is water soluble. Now, off of that, there are lots of B vitamins and they are all going to have different roles in your body. So in particular for menopause, B6 is one that I would focus on because a lot of times and something that I don't think gets enough attention when we enter menopause is our anxiety and depression due to our mood fluctuations from our hormones increase. Vitamin B6 can actually help increase the neurotransmitters, um, the synthesis of neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine, which is going to help regulate that mood and alleviate some of that symptoms of both anxiety and depression. So that is one that we definitely want to make sure that your vitamin is either containing or you are focusing on food sources that are rich in it. Another one is going to be B12. This, um, I, I, I do think a lot of people have heard about B12 because it's often toted as like the energy supplement. If you want more energy, take B12. And they're not wrong because B12 does help um, energy metabolism and combat fatigue and promote, you know, feelings of vitality. So another one to really kind of focus, focus on. 
is going to be B9. Um, so B6 and B9 also can help reduce uh, symptoms like severity of hot flashes. And this is something that, of course, is a symptom that many people in menopause experience. But another one is B1 and B2. And I feel like I'm just throwing out lots of numbers. But B1 and B2 um, also can help decrease the risk of insomnia and irritability. So a lot of things get affected with our mood when we enter menopause. And it's so important. I know a lot of people know that food does affect mood, but these are very particular supplements or um, micronutrients that can actually have a better effect for us and actually make us feel better. And we can, you know, have that good feelings after you are eating. So your food really does affect your mood. And it goes back to controlling what you can control. When we're really looking at all the different symptoms that we're experiencing, we want to think about, okay, what are things that can impact these symptoms that we can control, right? You can't necessarily, well, actually, you for sure can't stop the hormonal changes of menopause, but you can navigate them a little bit better. And I think so often our food does get ignored. I've heard like a lot of people even comment on posts like, oh, with hot flashes, I've done like this external thing or this external thing. We're not really noting what we're putting into our body and then what's going on internally because of those things. So the more you can look at your nutrition, your diet and say, what impacts the hormonal responses, the different chemical things that are going on within my body to then impact the symptoms that I'm seeing. And through that, you can really break things down and get very granular with them, which can feel very overwhelming, I know, but we're also going back to, hey, maybe you just start paying attention to B vitamins. And then even the foods that contain B vitamins would probably overlap with some of the other symptoms and have other good things in them too. So overall, you're going to be doing a lot of good things for your health while even noting that there's a lot of nuance to the specific things that you need. So if you are saying, well, I'm taking B vitamins, but I'm not seeing results in these areas. Okay, well, what B vitamins are you actually consuming? And the more you dig into it, the more you can make sure that you're making changes that truly address what you need. But I love that you mentioned all these different types and the different impact they can have. What food should we be including if we really want to focus on all these different B vitamins? So meat is actually going to be a great source of a large amount of B vitamins. But other than that, we're really looking at things like legumes, seeds, and again, those dark leafy greens. Then moving on from here, uh, because that's really, you know, we always want to focus on whole natural foods. And obviously, we'll talk a little bit about supplementation as well to address those gaps, because sometimes we need more and we simply can't get it through our fueling, especially if we are on a fat loss journey. We're in that calorie deficit and looking to lose. It's hard to get enough of anything. Uh, but talking about the next uh, micronutrient that you brought up, magnesium. Talk to me a little bit about, about why this is important. It's one that we discuss a little bit more often because it addresses some big symptoms of menopause, but let's discuss magnesium. So magnesium is super important for menopause because one, the majority of us are just deficient in general. But as we enter menopause, there, we do have those hormonal changes that are going to affect certain areas that magnesium can help with. One is a big complaint is actually constipation, again, due to our the hormonal changes, slowing, slowing down our digestion, digestive system. And magnesium can actually help um, 
alleviate that. So it can help help you stay regular. But on top of that, it really does help with sleep disturbances. And one of the things is is it is a very calming. So not only is it going to help with things like anxiety, but it can also allow some muscle relaxation. So if you are taking it prior to sleep, you can have improved sleep. Sleep is so vital when it comes to everyone's journey because it really is going to affect, you know, those hormones, leptin and ghrelin. So you can have increased or decreased um, cravings based off of how much sleep you've had. And it can help you even have, uh, be able to feel the levels of satiety that's necessary for you to even be able to get the signal that you are full. And the big thing is, is when we have lack of sleep, we actually are going to increase our cortisol levels and cortisol is a fat storing hormone. So we really want to make sure that we are getting the amount of sleep that we require. And magnesium is just going to help you be able to reach that, um, that level that you actually need. And it, it just becomes one of those things that's a little bit more difficult when we enter menopause. Um, I, I talk a lot with clients, um, because they're always like, you know, it's just, my partner's rolling around in sleep and it's waking, they're waking me up or all of a sudden my dog or my cat is making noises in the middle of the night or moving around and that's waking me up. Your partner and your pet has probably always done that, but you have actually become a light sleeper. So we really want to make sure that we're getting into that deep REM cycle and magnesium is one tool that can actually help you get there. It really shows how everything is a system working together. And while we want to focus on specific components to address our specific needs and goals and even assess where we might be deficient, we really are thinking about the impact and the far-reaching impact that everything has. As you mentioned, not getting enough sleep can negatively impact cravings, which can hold you back from seeing the weight loss that you want. And then in turn, because we're not sleeping well, we turn to caffeine, which then makes us not sleep any better and it even makes us sleep worse, right? So everything is so interconnected. So when we just look for one best something, we're not really addressing how everything is working together versus if we look at the system as a whole and we look at what we're struggling with and what we're seeing with those struggles, we can start to assess, okay, I'm doing everything from, you know, a sleep routine to I'm trying to train earlier and I'm not having caffeine. So now what else can I do to make sure that I'm getting the most quality sleep, knowing the impact that sleep then has. So it really is breaking down all the different levels to assess what you need. And in terms of getting more magnesium, how can we include more in our diet? So we definitely want to be focusing on things again, like nuts and seeds, uh, pumpkin seeds as a very, as a great source, legumes, dark chocolate. Those are going to be the, the foods that we really do want to make sure we're including. Um, but we're really are hoping to get at least 320 milligrams a day. So this again, supplementation is an option, but really making sure that if you can do it food for first, that's always going to be best. I also always like mentioning the fact that you get to eat dark chocolate for this, right? Because a lot of times, you know, in menopause, when you're trying to lose weight, I'll hear women say, I have to cut out my dark chocolate, which I love, which I'm craving even more now. And you actually don't have to cut it out. You probably shouldn't cut it out. You need to strike that balance. But now there's a reason to include that dark chocolate, not to mention to satisfy cravings and not have them build up more because you're restricting and then improve your quality of sleep, which might even help with the cravings, right? So it's this nice little cycle right there where now you have an excuse to have your dark chocolate. But anyway, uh, moving on from that, the next vitamin you recommended was vitamin E. Can you tell me a little bit about why vitamin E is so important? So first and foremost, uh, menopause is often referred to as the slow simmer state because you're often a little bit 
you have a little bit more inflammation going on just because of everything that's happening within you. So focusing on anything that's going to be have higher antioxidants is going to help combat that inf- inflammation that is occurring in your body. So vitamin E is a high antioxidant. So it is going to help with that. But the other important things is vitamin E also helps support hormonal balance. And that can really help alleviate some symptoms that are even associated with estrogen deficiency. So there's a lot of research actually involving vitamin E supplementation and the uh, reduction and frequency of things like hot flashes, night sweats, and even improving the vascular function. Um, uh, So overall, we're also being able to uh, decrease even the level of dryness that are that we experience because as estrogen declines, it acts like a sponge and you're even less likely to stay hydrated when we're in menopausal. So it, there's really just a lot that vitamin E is going to help with. And a big part of that is actually reducing the oxidative stress and inflammation. Which can really even pay off in terms of our workouts because the more we're reducing that inflammation, the easier it is to recover from, the less we even feel sore, our joints feel achy, the better we're going to be able to train. So if you're training hard and you feel like you're taking longer to recover and you're doing all the mobility work, which of course I know no one is skipping that prehab process, and then you want to dig a little deeper. Is your hydration there? Are you eating enough to recover? And then if you're like, okay, I'm doing these things, this is where you can peel back those layers and be like, well, hey, am I getting the vitamin E I need? Am I addressing the inflammation my body is seeing with the changes in hormones? And so going down that little, the different little levels, you can really dive into making sure that you you are filling any gaps that are there. Because again, we we don't want to get caught up in the details before we've dialed in the fundamentals, but we then want to be conscious of the fact that our hard work should be paying off. And if we're tracking the data and it's not, there are details that we can dial in to really see better results faster. Now, going even full circle back to when you talked about the fact that we can see a lot of or a negative impact in our gut health and our microbiome, our gut microbiome with menopause, even see more GI disturbances. You mentioned that fiber is so important. Um, can you talk a little bit about fiber? And also really quick, what foods for vitamin E? Because I think it's, again, not a vitamin we talk about a ton, but really quickly, foods for vitamin E before we even jump into fiber. So you're going to hear me repeating this a lot, but nuts and seeds are going to be great sources of vitamin E. Again, we're looking at things like dark leafy vegetables and even uh, items like fish are going to be actually a good source of vitamin E. Which all those things also generally come with an omega-3 punch, which extra anti-inflammation fighting things, right? Yeah, which is again why if you can do and if you can focus on whole food sources, that's really where we want you to go because you are, you know, nothing's packaged individually. So you're really going to be able to hit multiple things with one source. And you're going to find that a lot of these foods are healthy for a diversity of reasons, as you mentioned, but also very filling. So it's going to make any calorie deficit that you're trying to hit, any macro issues that you're trying to hit even better. Now talk about making sure that you're feeling full and fueled and our gut is even more important to our fat loss results than we really recognize. Let's talk a little bit about fiber. So fiber, of course, is going to feed that gut microbiome. There has been so much research regarding gut health within the, you know, the last 10, 15 years. And it's really shown the importance that that diversity and being of gut, your gut bacteria is on your overall health. So we really want to make sure that we are encouraging 
proper and great gut health. Fiber is what feeds that bacteria. So we really want to make sure that we are including uh, rich sources of fiber, but also enough fiber. Most of us are not getting that the requirements. You are supposed to be getting about 25 grams as a female, and the majority of us are well below that. Now, another benefit, like you mentioned, is if you are eating high fiber foods, oftentimes these are lower calorie foods. So fiber helps you with feelings of uh, satiety. So you're going to feel full on lower calories, which is another reason why we want to make sure that you are focusing on this because as you enter menopause, oftentimes, you know, the biggest complaint is you've gained some menopause weight and you're looking to go into a calorie deficit. And most people that I see that are struggling with a calorie deficit, it's because they're not focusing on foods that are going to make them feel fuller, like fiber-rich foods. And again, fiber is going to help you stay regular. Um, which is going to help with uh, that constipation that can be a symptom of menopause as well. So a big thing is, is not only are we going to decrease weight if we're focusing on fiber, but you're going to also improve actually your insulin resistance, which is something that does get become affected when you enter menopause. So fiber is also going to help you actually regulate some of that carb intake so you're not dealing with highs and lows uh, because as we enter menopause, we can have a little bit more difficulty actually processing carbs. And slightly tangenting off of this, talking about gut health in general, you know, again, we, we want to alleviate any of those GI disturbances with menopause, uh, taking care of our gut can help with the weight loss and fat loss process, but also skin. Skin health is really connected to our gut. And I think that's an important thing to note because we can see more skin issues. We can have more dryness, uh, you know, skin fragility in general is something that we deal with as we get older. So taking care of our gut and the impact that can have even on our skin is super important because skin is something that we're going to see change during menopause. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's again, something that's overlooked, but your skin is your largest organ and it's your first layer of defense for anything. So we do want to make sure that we are focusing on that skin health as well. And as you mentioned, focusing on fiber is going to help with that. And I think I know what foods you might recommend to get more fiber, but some big ones that even address some of the other micronutrients we've talked about in this podcast, what are they? So lentils and legumes are super great sources of fiber. And what I love about them is you're also getting some of that protein. And we do know that protein is a huge, important macronutrient when it comes to menopause. So anytime you can kind of hit uh, your carb source, that's also going to have your fiber and your protein intake, that's going to be a huge win. Artichokes are something that uh, is another item that's just super high in fiber. And then raspberries, but really any fruit or vegetable is going to help you get there. And most of us just aren't eating enough plant foods that are going to have that high fiber content. So those are just going to be some of the highest options that you can kind of get the most bang for your buck with lower calories. Whole natural food sources are always the best bet because they come with such a punch and they address so many different areas, uh, helping us, you know, not only see the aesthetic changes we want, but address the symptoms of menopause, improve our health, right? They are really the complete package. However, it is sometimes hard to address all the nutritional areas that we need to address, especially as some of our needs increase during menopause. So talking about supplements, 
what can be the benefit of supplements? What do we need to be paying attention to if we are considering going the supplement route to address any nutritional gaps we might have? Because you do hear people say, I started this one supplement, I started taking X vitamin and mineral, and all of a sudden, you know, my hair is magically growing and my nails are perfect and, you know, all these different things. And it's not that it was a magic pill, right? It's more that it started addressing a nutritional gap they had. And so in that, when they fixed or filled that gap, all of a sudden they were seeing the results that they wanted from everything else. So talking a little bit about supplements, Michelle, and how they can benefit us. So we really want to make sure that we're focusing, obviously, on the su- on the supplements that are going to fill our nutritional gaps. Um, oftentimes, with supplements, they're they're just throwing like, "Oh, you can get a thousand percent of this," which is great, but you don't need a thousand percent. So oftentimes, you're overdoing things. And I know I mentioned like things like B vitamins. That's often one that's usually way over the top because it's water soluble. So they're like, "Well, you, if you have excess, you'll eliminate it." Um, But when it comes to supplementation, you really just want to focus that you are getting your bases covered. We still should be focusing on getting food sources. But as you mentioned earlier, if you are in a calorie deficit, sometimes people take that route of, oh, well, I can't have these foods and start avoiding foods, which can also cause micronutrient deficiencies. Now, on the flip side of that, um, one of the benefits that can be easier is if you are working on um, improving your diet or in a calorie deficit, it is easier if you meal prep and kind of have the same item. And it that can take off some decision fatigue. It makes it a little bit easier and, you know, just easier in general. But because of that, you are also probably having a less diverse diet. So really making sure that you are having a supplement that is going to be not just one thing. Oftentimes, um, there's a lot of people that are like, well, if you only need this, this supplement to fill this gap, just take that one supplement. And while that's not necessarily bad. The problem with that is oftentimes if you're taking that one supplement pretty soon, you'll be suggested to take one other one and another one. And by the end of the day, you could be taking 10 supplements versus having a multi that's going to cover the majority of everything that you need. So I really encourage people to actually look for a multi versus a single item that if you, and this is in particular, if you're really just covering bases. Now, if you have been prescribed by your doctor, like a very specific amount, you can always look at your multi and see what it is and add, you know, that one, that one nutrient that you need um, on it to make sure you're getting that adequate amount. But I think the biggest thing is so often we kind of overcomplicate it by being like, oh, well, so-and-so said this worked for her and -and so-and-so said this worked for her. It is not uncommon for me to see clients that are taking between 15 to 30 supplements. And sometimes they don't even entirely know why. And pretty soon I'm looking at it. I'm like, well, this has... This supplement has this vitamin and this vitamin and this vitamin, and you are really overdoing it with all this crossover. So it really comes down to not overcomplicating it and really just making sure that you are still focusing first and you're utilizing supplements as they're meant to be, which is to supplement an already healthy diet. But it's also to fill your nutritional gaps. It's making sure that you're getting the right type of B vitamins that you need in the right amounts and not wasting money on things that you don't need as well, which I think we can do when we just, you know, throw supplements at it or get a multivitamin. And honestly, it's why I've loved having our custom supplement blends, shameless plug for them. But it's because we can dive into you need X B vitamin and you need in this amount because 
again, each of us is unique. Each of us has different activity levels, genetics, dieting practices, which are going to make us have different nutritional gaps no matter how hard we try, especially because our foods aren't the same nutrient density that they once were. So addressing your needs, even as you go through menopause and you might see demands of a specific micro or even macro change over time with the hormonal changes. So addressing those gaps as they come up, because just getting enough, the recommended amount, doesn't mean you're getting enough for you, right? Because we're all different and we're all consuming different foods and we have different activity levels, different genes. So being able to fill those specific gaps is so important. And you've talked a lot about it a lot. And I think it's always interesting when it comes up, like magnesium, there are different types of it, right? And if you're not getting the right type for what you need, you might be wasting your money on a supplement that isn't addressing your nutritional gap. Yeah, and magnesium is a great one because, you know, we talked a little bit about how heart health becomes so huge when you enter menopause. So like any magnesium you're going to take is going to have somewhat of that laxative, laxative effect when it comes to dealing with things like constipation. But there are some that are a little bit better than others in regards to certain areas. So magnesium orate is actually one that's in particular is very good for your heart. So if you happen to know that you have a family history um, with heart disease or you yourself have um, been prescribed some particular heart care situations uh, regarding your, you know, your levels or whatever your labs are showing, that one may be a better option for you to actually take. So there is those minute differences. And like you said, um, I'm going to even kind of go off a little bit on our personalized supplements, because one of the benefits of that is not only are we actually able to take that into consideration, where a lot of times when it comes to just kind of the general supplements, they're going to give you, yeah, they'll give you magnesium, but they're probably going to give you the cheapest magnesium that's on the market. And I'm not saying that's bad because it's still going to be helpful, but if you are in need of something very specific, like your heart health, you do want to make sure you're changing that source a little bit. And, um, I even just recently was working with someone and just by looking over all their supplements and kind of comparing and seeing the crossover that was taking, uh, or was happening, we actually decreased her pill intake by about 12 pills. So she was able to go down 12 pills. And I'm a huge believer. I'm a little bit biased in this, that while supplements are important and you should be taking them, if you are taking so much, I mean, pills are hard for your body to digest and to digest fully, which is partially why we do overdo it um, a little bit when in regards to like the RDA, you may, may have it a little bit over because e- even though you're taking that supplement, it can still be very difficult for you to digest. So if you are someone that's taking 15, 30 pills a day um, that you don't really necessarily know why, and I'm I'm going to say that because there are there are people that need to take certain amounts of pills because their doctors have prescribed them and that's what their needs are. Um, But oftentimes that can just be really hard on your GI and also signifying that your diet needs an overhaul more than anything. Uh, But what's cool about the personalization as well is as you are working on improving your diet, as you are working on improving just your health in general, your needs change. So you may start at one point where you're like, these are all the supplements I need to make sure I'm having because my diet is lacking and my health, this is what I'm struggling with. And all of a sudden, you know, six months, a year later, we're not in the same spot. So you don't need to be taking the exact same thing, which means we can actually look 
at what you're taking, what your needs are, and make those adjustments that are needed so that you are getting the most out of your supplement. And maybe it comes from me being lazy, but I definitely have the do less, achieve more whenever possible mindset. So even looking at the list that we've talked about today of micronutrients and the benefits and the overlap in the foods, you might even find that you can sort of just include specific vitamins, micronutrients, like, you know, different minerals, herbs, all those different things. And they can really work for a variety of different symptoms you're seeing. Whereas right now you might be trying to throw sort of spaghetti at the wall and address all the different symptoms with all these different things, instead of just honing in on the one most important that has the overlap over different things. So I am going to put a link to learn more about our custom supplement blends, because we really can design down to the milligram what you need based on the symptoms you're seeing in menopause, based on any different things that you're struggling with or goals you're working towards. And I know this is a big shameless plug for it, but I've really seen the benefit in not only making it easier for me to see the results that I want and in a sustainable way because it's one thing I'm taking, but I really do find that this addresses exactly the gaps we need so we're not wasting time, we're not wasting energy, we're not wasting money on different things that aren't really necessary. Michelle, any closing thoughts on the micronutrients, on supplements, on the whole natural foods, any of that jazz to help people really feel their best through menopause? So I'm just going to add, because I definitely think that, you know, focusing on the right supplement for you is needed. But if I were to tell you the four top food sources to focus on, to add to your menopause diet, to kind of make sure that you're hitting everything that we mentioned today, it's going to be making sure that you're in, that you are including those dark leafy greens, legumes. We want to make sure that we are hitting um, that fiber need. And also it, obviously it hit several other areas, nuts and seeds, particular pumpkin seeds, and then fermented foods. Those are going to be the four things that I would suggest that you focus on adding to your diet when you enter menopause. Great challenge to see how many times you can really hit those even in the next week. Thanks for listening to the Fitness Hacks podcast. Again, this is the place where I share all my free workout and nutrition tips. I'm never going to run sponsorships or ask you to buy anything. All I ask in return is if you're enjoying the podcast to leave a rating review or share it with someone you think it might help. This will only take a few minutes and it would mean the world to me and possibly change the life of someone you know.